Welcome everyone to the Recruitment and Careers Club and we've got a wonderful guest today who's doing amazing things in the world of tech and data, otherwise known as the big data queen and my friend Parmida, who I've got to know over the world of social audio and clubhouse. It's been a while. How are you? It indeed has been a while. I'm great, Johnny. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to the discussion today. So for the audience, what are we going to talk about with the big data queen? If we didn't talk about data, we'd be missing a thing or two. So we're talking about AI and data in the fourth industrial age and the work revolution. So in the last few years, we've heard of things like the great resignation or the great reshuffle as deemed by the media. We've had the war for talent within tech and then subsequently the big layoffs by big tech. I'm getting so many candidates coming my way because of the layoffs that's going on. But one thing is certain, we've got the fourth industrial revolution, which is AI, automation, data, which is going to change the world of work so dramatically in the next five to 10 years. So my first question to the big data queen herself, can you explain to the audience how you actually got into tech and data and AI? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been really into mathematics and computing since I was a kid. And therefore, I focused on math in high school and chose engineering in college. I became specifically interested in signal processing and statistics in college. have to extract insight and information embedded in the signals and solve problems. Then during my internship, I actually touched on some classical machine learning and statistics concepts, such as decision trees and random forests. But that basically was it. I never really took any classes on machine learning before. I then started my PhD and I was working on classical computer vision and time series analysis tasks. And while attending conferences and reviewing paper submissions, because I was a reviewer too, I was reviewing journals and conferences submissions, I was some cool machine learning use cases. And eventually I found myself drawn into the field. Um, so instead of using classical computer vision techniques that we used to develop in the lab, I started learning and practicing machine learning approaches for computer vision and time series. And I published some conference and journal papers and attended various meetups and conferences and summer school, which were all quite impactful for me. So that summarizes how I got into tech and data and AI. Excellent. But the biggest question above all, when you were a little girl, is that what you wanted to do? How when you spoke to your mom? That's a great question. And the answer is that actually, no, it was not. While, as I said, I was really into mathematics and computing since I was a kid, I also loved medicine a lot. I really admired medical doctors who literally save lives and have direct impact on making the world a better place. And that was just so inspiring to me and why I initially even thought of choosing medicine as a field. I even remember when I was role-playing as a kid, I was always a doctor. <laughs> but I knew that despite all that, something was missing. And so I ended up choosing engineering. 
Yeah, fascinating. Uh, so you've spoken so eloquently about how you go into it, some of which is above my pay station because I've never I was never one for mathematics, unfortunately. I was always an analytical brain that liked the humanities and history and other things, but no, maths I always struggled with. How did you then move from that world into becoming somewhat of an influencer on platforms like Instagram? I see a lot of your videos and stuff. It gets huge reach, lots of engagement. Talk me through that. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I guess it definitely has something to do with my graduate studies, in fact. So when I was doing my PhD, I love that I was able to make contribution to the field through publications, attending conferences and meetups. And making an impact was really something important for me always. And so I, after my PhD was done and I moved to industry, I was still making that impact, more or less. But it was on a specific product. So now I, as you said, I'm a senior research scientist at Amazon Alexa AI, and I love what I do. I love the product I'm working on, and the impact is great. I have, I am actually able to make direct impact on the clients, which I love it. But I think the part that was missing was to making even a higher impact and giving back to the community. And so similar to my PhD time where I was able to publish my findings in a paper, I decided to publish what I was doing at work or what I was studying after work and I was passionate about through social media and help others and giving back to the community. And so I started that. And now I think I'm getting a lot from that engagement, actually. So I love the community that I have right now the it's like more on the benefit is on my side I get a lot of energy from um from my I don't know what to call them I don't want to call them followers but my friends rather so I get a lot of energy from them and I love this platform and I'm really happy that I did that yeah did it come naturally to you social media not really actually i'm a really private person <laughs> and uh, maybe it's obvious from my account like i only talk about tech ai sometimes i talk about my personal day-to-day -day life but rarely so i'm actually a, yeah i'm a private person so indeed it didn't come naturally my personal instagram account or facebook account they're all private but yeah, eventually I was like, people are browsing on Instagram a lot. And it was really a thing back then. And it still is. And it was like, why not adding some content where when people are browsing, they're actually learning something rather than seeing what their friend had for dinner last night or what their travels look like. They actually learn something. And especially with AI and data science, I think I was really lucky to be a part of this field which is evolving and uh, yeah i think that was also one of the motivations yeah you've got how many followers i know you don't like to call it how many is in your community i think by now it's more than two hundred and fifty thousand across platforms it's around one hundred seventy thousand on instagram 
you hear that, folks? One hundred and seventy thousand for someone who just came came across social media. It wasn't really her thing, but she wanted to make it her thing around what she loves, and that's tech and data. So it shows that you're offering a lot of content value, and you've got an engaged community, which is really important. So. Why is data, tech, and AI, do you think, so important for anyone thinking of moving into the world of careers? I think that we can all agree that the world is transforming into a digital landscape. So GPT or GPT-4 recently and generative AI, the AI assistants or automation, like all the automated services that are making our lives now much easier. They're all a product of tech and uh, AI. And even this, uh, like the podcast app that Johnny and I are using to connect is an example. So of course, tech and software tech specifically had played an important role. And the pandemic has definitely accelerated this trend. But it's clear that software technology and automation will continue to drive innovation and shape our future. Now, when it comes to AI and data science, some of us or most of us might be familiar with the article that was published in 2012 by Harvard Business Review. And they called data science the best job in the market there. And furthermore, Glassdoor surveys ranked data science as the best job in America in terms of the salary, demand, and also job satisfaction. So definitely that contributed to the hype surrounding data science at the time. However, there is more to that story. In the mid-2000, or specifically 2007, I believe, that was when the challenge of large-scale data and Computer processors, video GP used for computer games or graphic intensive use cases. And so the compute resource problem that was an issue was solved around then. And also in 2012, the exact same time that we had that article by HBR, we figured the early modern deep learning results that were transforming the computer vision field. And that was the proposal of AlexNet computer, like it was a convolutional neural network that was proposed by the team at Toronto University. And so when now we talk about AI, which is a really overloaded term, we actually mean powerful deep learning models. And the start of modern deep learning models actually would be around 2012 as well. So that's how... I think everything worked out at the same time. And now after a decade, the demand for AI and data scientists has only increased and the roles are not specific to a particular industry. And I think that actually makes the demand to go even higher because it's not specific to tech. It could be in healthcare, even finance, retail, entertainment, And so the domain knowledge that different folks have would contribute to it as well. They would make amazing data scientists because they can, they know that they have the domain expertise. 
And um, so these are all contributing to it. And I feel like AI being an emerging field and an evolving field, and we're still figuring a lot, figuring out a lot about AI, and it's it's fairly a new field, and that makes it even more exciting. So it's fun to work in this field. That these large language models or Dolly, which was another product of OpenAI for computer vision, it was generating random pictures similar to how ChatGPT is generating text. It was generating random pictures, but by your description through the portal they had, the text portal. So these are all, it's just developing and it's really fun. You always need to be current with the advances in the field and that makes it more exciting. And so, yeah, so the last reason why I think that data science and AI is such an interesting topic is the nature of the work. So data scientists are like Sherlock Holmes of the data. They play the detective and they use analytical and machine learning techniques to uncover hidden patterns and insight from different data sources to solve complex problems. And I think that is definitely contributing to why it's such a great field to be in. Yeah, fascinating. Although I'm not technical, I do love technology and being involved in the world of technology from a careers and talent perspective in the last 25 years. The reality is, if you don't have any kind of technical competency of technology, even to the basics, you're not going to have much of a career because technology is taking over everything. Even in traditional sectors, there were tech resistant like law, like medicine, are now exponentially moving forwards. And it's everything's coming under Moore's law, Parmida, where it doubles exponentially. And then you hear great people or interesting futurists like Ray Kurzweil, the ex-engineer of Google, who talks about the singularity in 2045 and how we'll have a billion times more computing power than what we have now. And we're entering the world of science fiction becoming science fact. And one of the most interesting series that I watch with it comes to these things is called Black Mirror. And it's this kind of series that's on Netflix that will, you think, you know what? I could see that happening. I've actually already seen that happening. Did you see the latest article or warning that was given around AI, that it's an existential threat against humanity and that they should delay AI development for the next six months because of the perceived threat that certain brains and leading kind of pioneers were talking about in penning a kind of paper, a letter, talking about if we don't slow this down. Elon Musk often talks about in his videos how AI is going to take over human beings and it's going to wipe us out. What's your thoughts on all that? Or is it fear-mongering? Yeah, yeah, I definitely read that letter briefly because I was just so shocking to see that some of the AI leaders actually signed such a letter. Yeah, what I think is that AI and the world of data, like everything else, would have both benefits and risks for humankind. And it's the same story with computers. 
I actually tweeted about this maybe a couple hours ago. So I was mentioning about the risks of computers. You could have fraud or hacks or spams. And the solution is not to pause or not ban computers for six months. That definitely doesn't seem like a right solution. So on one hand, AI and what we do with deep learning models could improve our lives in numerous ways in chat GPT-4. We talked about them in healthcare, in transportation, in education. Um, I was reading an article that was talking about a deep learning model that was able to classify skin cancer moles into benign or malignant. And so basically identifying melanoma through just images of the skin using deep learning. And, and there are a lot of examples like that. And so I feel like, especially in the intersection of healthcare and AI or health tech, that's really important to go and review some of the advances that AI has made. However, there are also, as you mentioned, and some and many people believe there are also risks to this. So one of the risks would be definitely on the job market. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely going to change the market, the market and the industries differently. So AI and automation, they become more advanced. And uh, there's definitely the risk that parts of some jobs may be automated. But in my opinion, it might actually be a good thing. And obviously, I'm biased, but I'm just sharing what I think. I feel like the world is actually moving to that direction. So that our next generation would actually like to do stuff that are more intellectually stimulating rather than just maybe going in at Amazon warehouse and carrying boxes. Like, obviously, that is wonderful and amazing that some families now through that a job like that. And it's unfortunate to see that their job might be replaced by robots. But I feel like it's not going to happen anytime soon, the full job displacement. And for our future generation, maybe the world is already moving in that direction. So the change that AI is bringing to the job market might actually be a good thing so that people, children from really early on start developing some advanced skills so that they can get jobs that are not easily repressible by robots or AI. And so that one that is one of the risks. The other one is definitely the bias and discrimination that we see in AI systems. And it is actually inevitable because especially now recently with the models that are trained on public data, so we know that the data that we have has biases. Sometimes they're good biases. They're actually what would make our models learn the pattern in the data. But biases that we're talking about are the ones that result in unfair treatment of certain individuals or groups. And that would be one of the risks that could be impactful in different industries, maybe in hiring decisions if they've automated there were some articles about that, that some certain groups were not given a chance for, for an interview or even in the criminal justice system. 
so yeah, this is definitely a known issue. And I think it's one of the possible reasons why the letter that you mentioned earlier, folks have been voting to pause the work on AI models. But I feel like yeah, that definitely is not a solution. And we need to work on work on mitigating these issues. And another issue that would be similar is data uses, privacy and security. And so we know that personal data that when we're using social media or any app, they are gathering data from us. And this personal data could be vulnerable to breaches or misuse. And we need to have certain regulation around that. So in EU, in fact, there is GDPR, which is General Data Protection Regulation. It's a law on data protection and privacy for EU citizens. And even if those, like the EU citizens are using a product that is in the US has to comply with that regulation, regardless of like where the company is, they need to, they need to comply. And so I think that is really important. It's going to influence other countries like the US and I think we're going to start something similar to GDPR to a few states but we're not really there to have it across US and hopefully it would happen at some point soon. And yeah, I think there are risks definitely. Another one is accountability actually. After we build such powerful AI models, who would be responsible when they're not giving the result that they're supposed to? Obviously it's not the AI model itself, but we need to make AI models responsible too from the early in the pipeline from data generation to model development to deployment and also at the end when we are surfacing results to the clients. So we need to work on some regulations to help with that as well. Really interesting. I was thinking about this and the evolution of man and woman has been from ape man to space man. Is it just not now an evolutionary thing that might be inherently driving this, that we're turning into some kind of cyborg? And that's the future where we're going to colonize all these other planets that Elon Musk thinks of, because this software is an ancient software, but it's not what we want really so you're going to find things like nanotechnology and something's wrong with your body i've read that in the future you'll just set an alarm when you go to look in the mirror and you breathe on it it might tell you oh you've got something wrong there book an appointment to the doctor or when you go toilet with a smart toilet etc and it's going to get to the point really that we will almost have a cd when we of our own personalized medicine based around our unique kind of footprint and data that instead of all this kind of one size fits all that I never quite got really because we're so unique. Where do you see all that going and the possibilities? Yeah, that's a, it's really interesting to think about all that. And definitely one of the, yeah, I actually need to think about it because on one side, it's quite fascinating to remove some of the 
redundant processes. If you think about some of the work that actually Elon Musk is doing or some other startups, which is removing this redundant intermediate step of muscle movement. And as you said, instead of having our hands, for instance, typing on the keyboard, it could just come directly from our brain. And, and that's how it's happening right now. There is the signal that is coming from our brain and that is signal to our muscles. And that is then when we type on the keyboard and see something on the computer. So this human and computer interaction would definitely be something that I would be looking forward to. And I think it would have a great impact because I can definitely think of some of these redundant processes that why are they there? But us transforming to different or other types of creatures, I'm not sure about that. I have to think about it. <laughs> Some would say we're kind of in it. I'll tell you why. Everyone's got much more intelligent because of Google. You can have an answer to anything within five seconds. Okay, you've got to simulate the data. Our skills are different now, isn't it? Before, when I was growing up, you had to go to the library, get a book, blah, blah, blah. Now, you've got all this. We're in the age of information. But what people are really craving for is wisdom. And it's the way you can assimilate that information, make sense of it. In, along with ChatGBT, you can ask a question and all well and good, but you've also got to work with it. So moving forwards in terms of people being able to separate themselves from machine, they're going to have to look at things like in terms of the key skills that employers would want or in the world of work will be things like critical thinking, the ability to analyze big data, make sense of that. That's going to be a key element to all decision makers in the world of business and in companies. Data is definitely the new oil, along with attention, attention as well of people. The second thing is creativity. Having that creative element still is very important. Community building which you're doing yourself, which is going to become more decentralized, more localized, because people Absolutely. yearn for connection and connectivity, because we've got, more, we've got more options than ever before to connect, yet in some ways people feel more lonely because they're not connecting. They have contacts, but they don't have relationships, and it's relationships that are the currency of life. And then lastly, I would say with all of Definitely. this is emotional intelligence, that's the biggest one, especially for leadership. You're going to have the rise of the super jobber, people as gifted as you working on Alexa and stuff. And those, unfortunately, that have repetitive tasks, they're going to be automated away because machines going to do it quicker and better in so many different aspects. That's why you might find in the next five to seven years, 40% of all jobs being replaced, but being replaced by automation. But the good news is 85% of all new jobs haven't been invented yet. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I briefly talked about all that in previous questions. Definitely the change that AI is bringing to the job market is the most important one. With automation, for sure, AI is able to automate stuff that are, they have some repetitive actions and components. AI is excellent at automating those, but it is not necessarily a good, it's not necessarily doing a good job with what you mentioned, like emotional intelligence, when we need to 
be able to reason about things. And there are a lot of things that humans are able to do and AI will not anytime soon be able to accomplish those. And also automation that we mentioned, AI is doing better, way better than humans. So the way I see it is that it's more like a collaboration between the two and AI complementing humans. And the two can work productively and efficiently and getting the work done is definitely helping us with a lot of tasks that I would say that majority of people would prefer not to do anyways. So AI would take care of that and just help us have our life in a more efficient and productive manner. Yeah, I suppose where the danger comes in with some thinkers is that what happens if AI has self-awareness and starts to actually feel smart on so many levels, a human being, because he's exponentially increased. And let's face it, on a lot of levels, you, I think there's AI beats a, one of the grandmasters in chess, can almost can do some incredible things around music. Chat GBT, do we need copywriters now and stuff like that? Um, they say the intelligence at the moment is that of a cockroach, say in the forest. Can the, a cockroach is going through the forest and stuff. But what happens that level of intelligence goes to, to a level of a rat and then even more to a level of a monkey? You know, is that where the code of ethics or code of conduct needs to come in because you can create something where the master ends up being the pupil yeah definitely that is a really interesting analogy so for sure like establishing a code of conduct for ai is crucial especially now um more than ever because with these chat gpt or large language models and the trend of pre-training so we are leveraging just free public data on the internet to train our models giant deep learning models and the work that big companies like google and OpenAI are doing and assuming that they continue releasing their models any individual would have access to such powerful ai models that are trained by by powerful resources and Google or OpenAI and people could use could leverage those models and now we definitely need to have those regulations in place like even before I think yeah we're kind of late in that manner before releasing the models publicly I feel like we sh- we really should clarify the regulations and the use cases and it's not easy it's definitely is not an easy task and it's as i alluded to it's like similar to other parts of tech for instance for software engineering they had an ample time to come up with the standards and processes around responsible software engineering and we have done a lot of good things in terms of mitigating the issues but i feel like we haven't done the same for ai and so it's important to change our view, like rather than being 
obsess over our model accuracy or pub publications in academia, we should be prioritizing using proper guardrails for AI and uh, making sure all the cases where AI could go wrong. And um, yeah, so all of this, I think it's not just to the data scientists or AI experts. It's like a teamwork that lawyers, like policymakers, stakeholders should sit together and domestify the whole project that they're working on, different use cases, edge cases, like how that model could be misused and come up with solutions for that. Yeah, it's really interesting. And that example I gave at AI was in robotics. So it was the case of a robot being able to find this way out of a forest and the level of intelligence yeah. is a cockroach. What happens if it becomes a robot, then a monkey, et cetera, et cetera, because of the rise of the robots. As we come to the finishing straight of what you said of this podcast, um, I remember once a person in physics said that physics replaced philosophy. And now with AI, a question, AI machines still can't tell that the human being's lying. Maybe they can. That's, a, that's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> Am I lying or not, AI, if you're listening? I know a lot of insurance companies, banks, they use data everything, behaviors to detect fraud or other aspects and utilization is the computer says no kind of thing where AI is essentially doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Is this person a risk profile that we want to take on? Last question before we go into how people could contact you, because this has been really interesting. If you had to make some predictions, where do you see the world of AI and data in the next 10 years? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I think one aspect that I see AI is going is definitely on the technology side. So we are going to continue coming up with pre-trained models that are powerful and they can just amaze the community with their power and what they can do. And so that involves increasing the capability of neural networks, and so that more than just perception, we are able to have some cognitive abilities in those networks, longer term memories and making them reason about things. So a lot of the work done in reinforcement learning, as you mentioned, with AI playing chess or other computer games with humans and sometimes winning, that's, I feel like definitely RL is one of the fields that is going in that direction. So next, very similar to above would be incorporating multimodal options, which is similar to GPT-4, that in addition to text, we can also, like the model also takes images as, and that is one step closer to how humans work and see the environment. It's through all these different senses and multimodal is definitely helping us move in that direction. 
Next would be the scale. So for both model size and data sets in NLP or natural language processing, we have seen a lot with large language models and the power increase with larger models, obviously, but at the same time, we need to be mindful of that sometimes we might need to have those models on the edge, like on the device. So we need to be mindful of the storage limitations that we might have. So while making more powerful models, we probably are moving in the direction of making them more feasible to be deployed on the device. And another aspect would be on the research side. We continue coming up with new ideas, innovation techniques in terms of generative AI specifically. And uh, yeah, and the, so I think these are all expanding, like working together and then expanding the ability that AI would have. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna talk about self-driving cars. <laughs> it's long overdue. I think it's just a very complicated problem, but yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully sometime we would have self-driving cars. And uh, yeah, actually the one example that I mentioned earlier, which is to remove the redundant processes, like being able to have a direct relationship with the computers, that human-computer interaction, I feel like that is also among the advances that we will see in AI in the next few years. Yeah, and we might even see even bigger and more because you just don't know what comes up next and how quick, because often trade and competition spurs that with the likes of Silicon Valley Absolutely. companies competing, developing yeah. this, developing that, hiring the best. And eventually, I guess... I heard that, that one of the keys to living forever or longevity is that we're all going to upload our, our brain onto a cloud that will take away our mere mortal being. But this has been Parmida, the big data queen. Thank you ever so much for your time. How do people make contact with you to learn more, your socials? What's your best yeah, contacts? Yeah. I think the best way to reach out to me would be through my Instagram channel in my bio on my Instagram channel with the handle Big Data Queen. I have the links to all the other social media platforms like LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok. But yeah, I think Instagram would be the best way to find more about me and we can connect over there. Yeah, watch this space. I think Parmida has got a big future and I'm sure she's going to move on to huge fins. Thank you ever so much, my friend. It's been great speaking with you and Thank good you. to see you Thank again. Thank you, Johnny.